Listen, we have a great church because number one, we have a great God. And number two, we have great people. You guys make it easy to pass through this church. Um, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Uh, we love you guys and appreciate you. So uh, thank you for that. Hey, uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to have you turn to Matthew chapter 6. And you're going to want this whole sermon, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. So uh, whether you have a paper Bible or a digital Bible, Matthew chapter 6, as you're turning there, uh, if you've been around Journey, you're like, are we, we're, seriously, we're, I, thought we were, I thought we were past Matthew 7, and now we're back to Matthew chapter 6. So we spent about 15 weeks uh, this summer and early fall going through the Sermon on the Mount, which if you don't know anything about the Bible, this is the longest recorded sermon that Jesus gave, and you find it in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And so we've been working our way through the Sermon on the Mount. You thought we were done, but there were several passages that we had skipped over that we're coming back to. And so this week, we're going to be looking at a passage, and then next week, we're going to be looking at the passage right after this. Next week, the passage we're going to be looking at has to do with worry, which um, that none of you have any uh, issues with that, right? So maybe we, maybe we should just skip it and do something else next week, right? No. We're going to be talking about worry next week, so you definitely want to be here and definitely want to invite someone to join you. But in Matthew chapter 6, so Jesus is, in giving the sermon, he is primarily addressing followers of Jesus, People who have just decided, you know what, I, I don't understand everything about this man, I, I, but there's something unique and different. I believe that he is the Messiah. I believe that he is the son of God. And so I'm, I've decided that I'm just going to follow him. And these people, like literally, like when they, when they became followers of Jesus, they meant we're going to go everywhere he goes and we're just, whatever's going on, we're following Jesus. And so when he gives this message, it's just important to realize that, that he's speaking primarily to people who are followers of Jesus. And I think along with that, I just want to encourage you that maybe, maybe the idea of following Jesus, I've, I've talked to some friends recently who, who are just like, you know what, I, I can't follow him until I get it all figured out. And, and there's all these parts that I don't quite understand. And there's some verses in the Bible that I don't quite get. And so once I finally get it all figured out, then I will follow him. And, and when you look in the Bible and you look in the gospels, you see that's not how it works for Jesus followers. That, that, that really they, they didn't have Jesus figured out. And yet they decided they were going to follow him no matter what. In fact, there's this time after this passage uh, that we're going to look at today, there's this time where some of Jesus' followers started leaving him, decided that Jesus, you know, we thought you were going to be one way Jesus and you're not living up to what we thought you were. And so we're out of here. And Jesus looks at his closest disciples and he said, hey, you guys, you guys are going to take off too? And Peter says these words that have just resonate and echo in my mind so often. Times when I'm just disenchanted with God and disenchanted with the church or with scripture. I, these words just come back to me. Peter said this, when, when Jesus said, you're going to take off? Peter said, where else can we go? And then he says this, he says, you alone have the words of life. Like, he's like, you know what? I, yeah, I get they're leaving and I get they're, they, they thought that you were going to be a military messiah and you're not doing that. You're not overthrowing the Roman empire and there's some frustration there. But listen, Jesus, I don't have anywhere else to go. You alone have the words of life. I don't understand it all. I don't get it all. But I've come to the place of seeing that every time you open your mouth, Jesus, life comes out. And I'm the better for it. And when I live in alignment with the things that you're saying, I'm, I'm the better for it. I'm richer for it. I'm more fulfilled. And, 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 and I'm just, I've just decided I'm going to follow you. 
In the good, the bad, the ugly, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And can I just say, to, I think there's some people in this room that you just need to come to a place of saying, you know what? I, yeah, there, I don't understand it all completely. And I've got questions and, and some of it I even kind of feel like I disagree with. But I'm just going to make a decision that I'm going to follow Jesus. And can I tell you, if you would make that decision and just go all in with Jesus, I think some of those parts that, that are just so frustrating will come into alignment. Okay, that was, I wasn't supposed to preach that, but I really feel like that's, that's for somebody in this room. So we're in Matthew chapter 6, and hopefully with all my rambling, you're actually there. Matthew 6, I want to encourage you to stay in this passage, because we're going we're gonna, to, I might go away from, you know, for a little while, but we're going to come back, and we're just going to keep going through. So Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 19, this is what Jesus says. He starts out by saying, do not. Would you say that with me? Do not. In the Greek, this means do not, okay? This is an imperative. It's a commandment. Jesus is commanding his followers regarding something. He says, do not store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Now, the reason why Jesus had to talk about this, in fact, I'm just going to go ahead and, and write this up on the board. You guys, I have some friends who just hooked me up in the first service. I didn't have any markers, and now I have a plethora of markers up here. This is awesome. So the first thing we're going to, oh, and this is a good one. Thank you. Treasures on earth. We're going to talk about treasures on earth to begin with. Jesus says, do not live your life consumed with treasures on earth. And can I tell you, this message resonates because 2,000 years later, here we are in 2023, and do you think any of us have problems with this being consumed with treasures on earth? Man, we all do, don't we? We're consumed with marketing messages. I mean, they just come at us all the time. And it wasn't enough for Amazon Prime to have Amazon Prime days in July. Now they need to have them in October. And I guarantee you come Black Friday, there'll be even more, right? We literally today have an air fryer in the mail. I just got an alert on my phone while we were worshiping that is on my front porch, right? Because lightning deals, Amazon Prime, you're never gonna see it cheaper, right? We're consumed with messages of bigger, better, new, improved, improving. Your camera only has three cameras. Your phone only has three cameras on the back. My phone has seven cameras on the back, right? Like your, your clothes, you bought those two years ago. Oh, what you're wearing is so 2021, right? Like you're so, oh, come on, right? I mean, like we are, it's just surrounds us. It's the air that we breathe, and Jesus, because he loves us, he's not mad at anybody. He says, because I love you, do not spend your life storing up treasures on earth. Now, I got to say something. Jesus isn't against savings accounts. He's not against retirement funds. Like, in fact, there's a whole plethora of scripture. I just used that word twice in one sermon, so no more, right? There's all this scripture that talks about the importance of saving and the importance of thinking about the future. So Jesus isn't contradicting scripture here. What he's talking about is a mindset where I'm consumed. And he uses this word treasures. It's not a singular treasure. It's a plural treasures because it's not just about money or cash. I mean, there's so many things that we can be consumed with, can't we? Oh, I need, I need a new sofa. I need, <laughs> we, I need a new counter space for my air fryer that's coming in the mail, right? 
And so because we don't have enough, con- and so maybe we should build on to our kitchen. And if we could just have some more space, and then if we could get hardwood flooring, and then, well, now my living room needs some help. And so we'll get the, and we need a bigger TV. And now that we've painted our walls, we need some better artwork. This artwork is so like 1990s, like we need something fresh. And so if, isn't it how our minds operate? This isn't just about cash or money. This is treasures on earth where I become so consumed. And I think that I will be happy when I get this. I think my life is going to be so much better when I have an air fryer. I literally have some Lee's fried chicken in my refrigerator. And I can't wait to put it in the air fryer to see, like, does it, you know, like, I mean, but, but here, it, it never works. Some of you are, like, getting hungry now. You're like, oh, good. all right, here we go. It, it, but, but you know what? As soon as you get that, as soon as you get that, it's like, okay, what's next, right? Now, God isn't against stuff. He's not against you having a new sofa. He's not against doing, he's concerned. Jesus is concerned when this is where my heart is. This is where my mind is. This is what I'm always thinking about. Because money, listen, money is simply a tool. Money is amoral. It's neither inherently good, it's neither inherently bad. Money is a tool. Money is a means to an end. But when I make money the end, and I become obsessed with it, and I become close-handed with it, and when the Holy Spirit prompts me to be generous to somebody, or to some issue, or to whatever, and I go, no, and I get that golem spirit, right? How many Lord of the Rings fans do we have? Any? My precious, right? Like, I need, I, I must have, right? Like, we laugh at that, but we can get that way when God is saying, listen, I entrusted that to you. And we close our hands and we say, money is not, money is simply a means to an end. So why is it dangerous to fixate on storing up treasures on earth? Well, Jesus gives us the answer right there in verse 19. He, he, he first of all shows us that treasures on earth are temporary and they're destructible right? What does he say there in verse 19? He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. And can I tell you, we live in an economy where we think our money is secure, but in, in, in an instant, banks close, inflation skyrockets, Economies collapse. Listen, things are so, so crazy right now in this world that if, if, my, if, if my future hangs on these treasures on earth and, and my sense of, of who I am and my identity and all this, man, when all those things crumble, do I crumble as well? He goes on, so he says, do not, but then he gives us a do. Here's what we can do. The very next verse, verse 20, do store up treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. What I love about this, and we'll put this over here before I forget, treasures in heaven. Jesus recognizes that many of us, not everybody in this room, but many of us in this room have an instinctive desire to pursue. 
God, God put that in us. That's not an evil thing that we have an instinctive desire to pursue. Some of you in this room have a great entrepreneurial spirit. That God put that inside of you. That's not, that's not a horrible thing to have. You're just wired in such a way that you look at life differently. And, and I've got a friend um, over in the Sandusky area who, who he's probably 15 years younger than me. And he's starting businesses. And he's, I mean, I, probably in the last couple of years, he started three different businesses. They're doing well. But, but here's the thing. He is on a, on his church board and he's so generous and this drive that he has this inherent drive that he has to pursue and to do something and to build finances it's not about treasures on earth he's one of the most generous people I know it's about treasures in heaven God isn't saying that you need to squash that he isn't saying you you need to change your personality he's saying change the direction of your drive that my drive isn't just about treasures on earth that I'm thinking about treasures in heaven and this can be confusing because and some of you have already gotten this you're like hello uh, pastor Ken I don't live in heaven like I live on earth and so how in the world am I supposed to store up treasures in heaven I don't live in heaven I live on earth. How do I store up treasures in heaven? That's a really great question if it's the, if it's the question that you're thinking about. The Bible says that there are at least two things that are here on earth right now that are gonna last forever. Isaiah 40 verse eight says, grass withers and flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. The word of God is gonna stand forever. The word of God is gonna last forever. When I give time, when I give priority to reading the word of God and studying the word of God and meditating on the word of God, you know what I'm doing? I'm storing up treasures in heaven because the word of God stands forever. See, this isn't just a money thing. And by the way, we're not taking up a special offering at the end. Some of you are like, oh, he's talking way too much about money. I know there's, they're gonna build something or do something. No, 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 no not, nothing like that. When I prioritize the word of God, I'm storing up treasures in heaven, right? You know what else the word of God says is gonna last forever? The souls of men. And I found out in the first service that that translation is archaic. So I need to say the souls of people, okay? Because this includes women as well, right? The souls of people, everybody, right? The souls of people. Like the word of God and the souls of people are gonna stay. So when I invest in other people, when I invest in relationships, you know what I'm doing? I'm storing up treasures in heaven because people matter. People are going to last forever. I was, you know, I started working on this sermon a couple weeks ago. And, and this past week, we have a great example we can talk about from our church. An individual who understood the difference between storing up treasures on earth and storing up treasures in heaven. Uh, if you didn't know, and I hate, to, if you didn't know, I hate to be the person to let you know, but a week ago, our own Chuck Schauder uh, passed away. Chuck was a founding member of Journey, a founding board member of Journey. And um, it's so crazy, if you were here in the second service last week, actually during the sermon, like right in the middle of a really good sermon, by the way, <laughs> Chuck stands up, he was sitting right around where you guys are right now, and he, just, he stands to his feet, and I'm like, Okay, and he's looking at me. He's trying to get my attention. Okay, Chuck. And he just stands up and he quoted 2 Chronicles 7, 14. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And then he just sat down. 
And I wish I, went, I wish I would have been more spiritually minded to be like, all right, we're just gonna, we're just gonna rest on that. I, I had a sermon, so I kept going on my sermon. A couple hours later, he has a massive stroke. He's unconscious, and then he passed away right before midnight Sunday night. Literally, some of the last words that, that Chuck spoke was standing in a service. Why? Because, because he, Chuck was just one of these people who was so in tune with the Spirit. And, and sometimes when we hear that, we think of something really. He was just one of these people who, who understood the promptings of the Holy Spirit. It's not out loud. It's just something that's so heavy inside of you that if, if I don't do this, I'm disobeying God. There's a prompting of the Holy Spirit. And whether it was standing up in the middle of a service and saying these words, and he didn't do that very often. I mean, I don't even remember him ever doing that in the middle of a sermon. But he was just so in tune with the voice of God. But the, the idea of storing up treasures on earth versus treasures in heaven, some of you guys didn't know this. He would, he would have been mortified, but now that he's dead, I can do whatever. He, Chuck, Chuck was, well, he's with Jesus in heaven and he doesn't care what we're doing here, right? Chuck was one of the most generous people. And I'm not just talking about like in giving, and he, he was very generous in giving to the church, but I mean just in finding needs around the church. I don't know how many kids he paid for them to go to camp and they never knew it was him. And our camps are not cheap because they're Monday through Friday, they're overnight. They're like over 300 hours. And Chuck, Chuck would regularly, who, need, who needs to go to camp? I wanna pay for them to be able to go to camp or to youth convention. He's one of these guys who, who had seen needs around. It wasn't just giving money, him and, him and Tom Perkins, who was in the first service and other, who had just, if they knew there was somebody who, need, they, were, they were handy, they were people who could do things I could never do. You know, they could just fix things. I try to fix something, I make it worse. They fix something and they make it better. And they, they had no problem going to somebody's house and helping to fix something. And he would, before Christmas, a couple weeks before Christmas, he would come to me with an envelope filled with like $20 bills. I mean like $500 and like $20 bills. And he said, you know, you know the families of the church. Would you just, would you just take, take this money and, and divide it up and give it, to, however you wanna do it. I trust you, pastor, however you wanna do it. Would you just make sure that people who need an extra Christmas blessing that they have it this year? He was, he was what was Chuck concerned about? He wasn't concerned about treasures on earth. If you knew Chuck, that was not his deal. Chuck was obsessed with treasures in heaven. And I believe he's enjoying the blessing. Listen, I mean, you know, it's not just about getting to heaven. There's going to be rewards and responsibilities in heaven that scripture talk about. And Chuck isn't just living in some little hut by the river, right? Chuck has amassed treasures in heaven because of his generosity. And man, he's a model to me. He's an example to me because sometimes I'm not so generous, Sometimes I'm more close-handed than I want to be. Storing up treasures in heaven. Well, I didn't get it, so, so I put over here. Sorry, I'm way off here. Uh, so we said treasures in, on earth are temporary. Well, treasures in heaven are eternal. And treasures on earth are destructible. Treasures in heaven are indestructible. And if I'm spelling it right I, or wrong, I apologize. You don't need to send me an email later. Like, I'll... God will, God will help me with that. <laughs> Let's keep going. Verse 21. So that was, that was verse 20. Verse 21, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires 
of your heart will also be. I, I, I remember reading this when I was younger, even as a younger pastor, and just not getting it. And, and as I was studying this in preparation for the sermon, the heart, when Jesus is using this word heart in this passage, he's referring to the whole inner man or the core of our total being. So what he's saying is wherever our treasure is, there will be our total being. Our entire self is intertwined with our treasure. This is why it's such a big deal to Jesus that he's saying, do not spend your life storing up treasures on earth. Spend your life storing up treasures in heaven because he understands that my whole entire being is intertwined with which direction I go here. Whatever happens to our treasure happens to us. In his paraphrase of the Bible called The Message, Eugene Peterson puts the verse this way. He says, the place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. See, my heart follows my treasure. If my treasure is, he- is in heaven, then my heart will be pointed toward heaven. If my treasure is on earth, my heart will be pointed toward earth. And so we're not to be obsessed with the things of this world because this world is in our home. And I got to remind myself of that all the time. This is not my home. I'm a pilgrim passing through. Everything that I see is temporary. The mortality rate still hovers right around 100%. Meaning if Jesus doesn't come back, we will all die. And I know you don't want to hear that in church. We don't like, but, but I'm telling you, the older friends that I have that are up in years will tell me, man, Ken, it feels like life, life has just flown by. I, didn't, I can't believe that I'm this old already. <laughs> didn't think I would get an amen there, but. And so this stuff that God has entrusted to me, I don't need to feel guilty about it. I don't need to walk through life going, oh, I can't believe that God gave me all this. I'm a horrible human being. No, my attitude needs to be, and I've said this so many times in journey, my attitude doesn't need to be guilt. My attitude needs to be appreciation and responsibility. Thank you, God, that you've entrusted this stuff to me. I know it's temporary. I know I'm not gonna put it all in a U-Haul and it's gonna follow me in my hearse to the grave. It's all temporary. God, thank you. Thank you for what you've given me and give me a sense of responsibility that I would spend the resources that you've entrusted to me in a responsible, generous way. I can choose to use the temporary resources I have for God's glory or I can choose to use them for myself. And so I would just put this up here next. I would put desire over here when it's storing up treasures on earth. The desire is, is really about my will. The desire over here is God's will. And man, these things collide, don't they? I wish it wasn't that way, but maybe it's not for you. For me, I find that these things collide. Now, what Jesus says next seems odd because we've just been talking about storing up treasures on earth versus storing up treasures in heaven and these things are temporary and these things are eternal and man, the direction that I go in with my material resources determines my heart and he's about to then talk about not letting greed master you but then he says something that just seems odd or at least it seemed odd to me. He He says in verse 22, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. I'm just like, Jesus, you got to wonder, sometimes his disciples are like, okay, I was with you and now I'm not, (laughs) right? And so the best, as I was studying this um, word, your eye, in the Greek, 
In the ancient world, and we don't really think about it this way, but in the ancient world, certainly would be true in the time that Jesus was living, the eye was thought of as a window to your soul. Isn't this kind of weird? If you get, some, sometimes people will talk about this. Was it President Bush who talked about looking at Putin in the eyes? And there's some, maybe I'm thinking of Saturday Night Live. Maybe it didn't actually happen, but because I, I don't know, like, like, and I saw his soul or something like that. Like, like we still have this idea, but in the ancient world, it was so much more pronounced that your eye, they, like eye and window were kind of synonymous. And the idea was that if your eye was healthy, then, your, then it would be clear and you could see into someone's soul and their soul would be healthy and it was all kind of intertwined. He says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. And then he goes on, he says, when your eye is healthy, or you could translate that when your eye is clear, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, or we could translate that unclear, your whole body is filled with darkness and the light you think you have is actually darkness. How deep that darkness is. I mean, pretty, pretty obvious what he's saying. He's saying like if the, if the window is clean and the glass is clear, then when the light comes in, it, it brilliantly lights up everything in your home, right? Or everything in the room that the window's in. But if the window is dirty and the glass is become discolored or whatever, now the light is hindered. And so the inside, you're walking in darkness. Have you ever, have you ever been, I often do some work at our, we have a, like a little dining room table in our kitchen. I often like kind of be doing some work in there. And especially this time of the year, when it starts getting dark at like two o'clock in the afternoon. Not really, but it feels like that, right? Like, like you're doing, and so I'll be there and, and I'm just, you know, without any lights on, but the light's coming through. We have this big sliding glass door like in our kitchen. And so I'll just be working away. And as it's getting darker, I don't even realize that it's getting darker, right? And one of my kids will come in the room or Carrie will come in the room and they'll turn on the lights. And I'm like, oh, that, I didn't even realize, like I'm, I'm struggling with my work. I'm, I'm probably not doing a good job. I'm probably making errors in what I'm doing. But the light comes on. I'm like, I didn't even know that I was in this, like it was this, it just kind of gradually happened. I didn't even know that I was in this kind of darkness. Jesus says, Jesus says, hey, pay attention to your eyes. Your eyes are like a window into your soul. If they're clear, if they're clean, but you know another word that you could use there, in fact, in the Greek New Testament, it uses the word generous. And now all of a sudden it makes sense. If my eyes are clear or healthy or generous, the light can come in and just illuminate everything brilliantly. But when my eyes are dark and unclear, and stingy and greedy, the light can't come in. Warren Wiersbe says it this way. He says, if our aim in life is to get material gain, it will mean darkness within. But if our outlook is to serve and glorify God, there will be light within. If what should be light is really darkness, then we are being controlled by darkness. And then he says this, this is the very last thing he says, and outlook determines outcome. Man, I know, some of you, you read a quote and you go, okay, I'm glad that that quote meant something to you, Ken. It means nothing to me. But I'm, just those last three words, an outlook determines outcome. Man, you could spend a whole afternoon just chewing on that. So then he goes on, verse 24, Matthew 6. 
Jesus goes on, he says this, and this is kind of the conclusion, at least for this passage. Next, the, the next thing that he's gonna say has to do with worry, and we'll look at that next week. But in verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. And then he drops the bomb. He says, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Like money is a master? For too many of us, it is. Money becomes, again, it becomes this end-all, be-all. It becomes this thing that I'm gripping so tightly to. And, and, and God, listen, money is amoral. It's neither inherently good or inherently bad. People will misquote the Bible and they'll say, money is the root of all evil. And I'll say, no, that's not what it says. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is neither inherently one way or the other. But you know what? Money is a terrible master. Stuff is a terrible master. See, something or someone is going to be your master. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say that again. Something or someone is going to be your master. And indecision is decision. Maybe you're asleep or unconscious to it, but something or someone is mastering you even in this moment. And Jesus says it's going to be God or stuff. You always prefer one or the other. And both of these masters demand something of you and something of me. They demand our time. They demand our attention. They demand our focus. And it's what God wants. See, God is jealous of that because he wants our attention. He wants our focus. He wants our time. He doesn't just want a little bit of our attention. God, God is probably glad that you're here this morning, but listen, God doesn't just want an hour and 15 minutes of your week. He wants your entire being. He wants your entire self. And you say, well, man, God is really like, I don't know, demanding, controlling. No, 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 no. God wants that because God is worthy of that. God wants my entire being. He wants my entire self. He wants my, all of my attention because he's worthy of that. You say, How, why is God this distant being out there in the sky? Why is he worthy of that? Because he loves you. I say, yeah, a lot of people tell me they love me. Well, he's demonstrated his love for you. He loves you so much that he sent his one and only son See, see, my posture toward God is one that I'm sin-stained and sin-covered. I'm greedy, I'm selfish, I'm prideful, I'm jealous, I lack in generosity to others, I, I have lust, unbelief, idolatry, all these things going on inside of me, and my sin separates me from God. And the only way that I can have peace with God is for God to take matters into his own hands. And he sent Jesus to come to this earth, and yes, he taught incredible sermons, and he, and he preached, and he performed miracles, and he healed people. The really the reason he came was that he came to go to the cross, and at the cross, he took upon himself the curse of my sin and the curse of your sin. And he took the punishment of our sin. He took all of that upon himself. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, he was making a way of peace between us and God. And on the third day, he was resurrected from the grave. And wh why am I saying all that? Because he is worthy of being our master. 
There's no one else. There's nothing else. There's no amount of stuff. There's no amount of money that is worthy of mastering me. Only God is worthy to be that master. And so from time to time, I think it's important. And I don't say this with my finger pointing at you saying, you people need to do this. This is me too. From time to time, I just have to do an honest evaluation of my life. I have to ask the question, am I storing up treasures on earth? Or am I storing up treasures in heaven? Like, is my heart being moved toward things that are temporary and destructible and is all about me? Or is my heart being moved toward things that are eternal and indestructible and about God's will and allowing him to master me? It's going to be one or it's going to be the other. So I have a couple questions that are in your notes and, and maybe for you, these would be a good thing. You know, if you have your notes in front of you or if you have the app, I know a lot of you are looking at the notes on the Church Center app. You could just screenshot these questions at the end or if you're looking at it in the notes, maybe get out your camera on your phone and just take a picture of these questions and set a reminder sometime today or this week. You probably don't wanna do this this afternoon because you're already gonna be so disappointed over the Browns game. But... Uh, I'm a lifelong Browns fan. I can tell you, playing the 49ers, good luck with that. But maybe tomorrow or maybe tonight, you could set a reminder on your phone because you'll forget. If you don't set a reminder, you're going to forget about this. Just Just to spend a few minutes in the silence of your own bedroom or bathroom or wherever you can get some peace and quiet. Maybe you need to go out into your garage and get in the car and just honestly evaluate yourself regarding these questions. Here, I'll just read through them real quick. What do I think about when I have nothing else to do? What occupies my daydreams? Is it my investments? Is it my stuff? Number two, what do I spend the most time worrying about? Is it my home or other possessions? Number three, apart from my loved ones, what or whom do I most dread losing? Number four, what are the things that I measure others by? This is so huge. By the way, I ripped this off of somebody else. I don't even remember who it was, but so that's why I can say this is so powerful. What are the things that I measure others by? Do I measure others by their clothing, by their education, by their homes, by their athletic success? See, the reason why this question is so important is it's a revealing mirror because how I measure other people shows me my treasure. Now, when I read this, I started thinking, I was like, oh, snap. Yeah. When I'm measuring other people by these things, it's showing me this is what I really value. Number five, finally, what is it that I cannot be happy without? How is your heart? How are things going with your heart? Are you storing up treasures on earth or are you storing up treasures in heaven? Is your life revolving around my will? Or have you come to the place of maturity, come to the place of, of awakening to who God is and what he's done, that you, can, that you can say, no, no, my life is about thy will, your will, above my will. I'm gonna ask you, wherever you are in this room, would you just close your eyes for a moment? I'm not gonna do anything weird. You say, why are you asking me to close my eyes? Just to give yourself some focus. Or if you're really tired, just to give you a little nap time. If you're here in this room and you say, Ken, I've been living my life for my will. 
I've been living my life, maybe it's chasing after stuff or relationships. I, I, I've, I've just had this thought that if I, if I had this, maybe, maybe this person in my life, or if I, had, if I had this thing in my life, or if I had this, maybe it's an occupation or it's a level of education, that my life would finally be meaningful, that I'd finally have what I've been looking for. And, and it can, I just come to the place of recognizing it, it doesn't last. It's not a worthwhile pursuit of my life. Can I, I recognize I, I hadn't, the penny hadn't dropped, the light bulb hadn't come on, but I'm recognizing now that I need to live my life for something greater. I need to live my life for Jesus. I knew that he died on the cross, but I guess I just, I just didn't make the connection that he did that for me. I need my sins forgiven. I need him to be the master and leader of my life instead of allowing all these other things to master my life. If that's you in this room, again, like I said earlier, I'm not asking that you've got it all figured out and, and, and that everything makes sense to you, but maybe you're at a point of just saying, you know what, I do wanna give my life to following Jesus. I need his forgiveness. I want to know that I have a right relationship with God. That if I walked out of here and a couple hours had a massive stroke like Chuck did last week, walked out of this building, and within two hours had a massive stroke and is unconscious, I want to know that I'm right with God. And I know that it only comes through Jesus, through Jesus' death and his resurrection, that he's the only one worth following. If that's you, with everyone's eyes closed, we're not gonna have you stand or have you come to the front. But if that's you and you'd say, Ken, I, would you pray for me? Like, I, I need Jesus to be first in my life. I wanna seek him above all else in my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now, right where you are? Yeah, I see you. I see you. I see you back there. I see you. I see you. I see you right there. I see you over there. Anybody, I see you right over there. Anybody else? After I've acknowledged you, you can put your hand down. Yeah, I see you right back there. Yep. Anybody else? Yeah, I see you. I see you. Yep. Anybody else that would say that's me? Guys, can I just tell you heaven's celebrating right now? If that's you, in fact, there's so many people who raise their hands. I'm going to ask everybody in this room, would you stand to your feet? And we're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to just prompt you with a prayer. Listen, it's, this isn't a magical prayer. It's meaning these things in your heart. But would you just pray this prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe Jesus is resurrected from the grave, proving his power to bring freedom into my life. Forgive me, lead me, help me to follow you. Help me to live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.
Guys, there was hands all over this room. Can I just ask you, if you raised your hand, and maybe for some of you, this was first time, this, man, I'm beginning. This is all fresh and new. That's awesome. On that Connect card, that blue Connect card that Carrie mentioned at the beginning of the service, on the very bottom, it says, My Next Steps. Would you make sure you check the appropriate box? Maybe you're starting a relationship with Jesus, or you're reaffirming a relationship. Would you let us know that? You say, Ken, why do you want to know that? Because we want to follow up with you. There's something we want to send to you in the mail. There's ways we want to coach you. There's emails that we want to send you. And so we want to help you because following Jesus is so much easier when we're doing it together, right? Second thing, before you leave, I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come forward. And if you raised your hand, as everybody else is leaving, you can come and these prayer partners would love, you would make their week. I mean, this would be even better than Ohio State winning yesterday, right? You would make their, well, Michigan, whatever, we have, okay. Uh, if you, when everybody else is leaving, if you raised your hand just a moment ago, find one of these friends up in the front. Just say, hey, I just want you to know, I, I raised my hand and I'm following Jesus. They would love, love, love to be able to rejoice with you and pray for you and pray with you. Um, those Connect cards that you have, we have some good-looking people at the back doors with white buckets, and you can stick those Connect cards in the buckets as you leave. And then remember, next week, we're going to continue in Matthew chapter 6. The very next passage has to do with worry. And I have a feeling, especially in the time we live right now, a lot of us could use some wisdom when it comes to the issue of worry. So invite a friend to come with you. This week, may the grace of our Lord Jesus... The love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. God bless you guys. We'll see you later.